0: Here it is
1: From deep inside your radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's program focuses primarily and uh, that that is something new for this program to focus primarily on anything. It focuses primarily on the passing this week of two courageous men, both named Stanley, both died this past Tuesday. And to a greater or lesser degree, I knew both of them. One worked in showbiz and advertising, so he was kind of famous. We'll get to him in a few moments. The other, Stanley, worked in academia. Until late in his life, I yanked him into showbiz. His name was Stanley Cutler, and judging by what I've heard from some of his students since his passing, he was a revered history professor at the University of Wisconsin long before he got the chance to make history. That opportunity presented itself when Richard Nixon's practice of recording his conversations became known to the public during the Watergate hearings. While a very few of the tapes were subpoenaed as evidence during trials that grew out of the scandal, the rest of the tapes remained under the control of Richard Nixon and his family. And he had no intention of ever making them public. Stanley Cutler had a cockeyed belief the tapes were made on publicly purchased tape machines, on publicly purchased tape, with the aid of publicly paid personnel. So, Stanley thought, the tapes belonged to the public. That was more than idle theorizing. In the early 1990s, Professor Stanley Cutler filed a lawsuit in pursuit of that theory, demanding that the tapes be turned over to the National Archives for the purpose of making them public. After a few years and a lot of lawyering, he won that lawsuit. That's the only reason that the Nixon tapes, beyond those first subpoenaed few, are known to us today, are in the public domain today. Stanley wrote two essential books on the tapes, Abuse of Power and the Wars of Watergate, still the place to start for anyone wanting to understand exactly how the Nixon administration worked. He wrote many other books on other subjects during his fine, long career, But as he himself recognized somewhat ruefully, it is a scholar of the Nixon tapes that his national reputation was made. When I was still doing radio at another station, the then-manager produced a program on the occasion of one Watergate anniversary, and she had Stanley on as a guest. Now, because she knew that I had done some, well, a lot of Nixon satire during the heyday of the comedy group The Credibility Gap, she invited me on the show, too. And Stanley and I started chatting. We shared an awestruck delight at the combination of misanthropy, ruthlessness, and sheer chutzpah that ran through the tapes. After the show, we stayed in touch. Stanley was a serious man with a serious sense of outrage at the way Nixon ran his White House. But he also had a raucous sense of humor. To veer into Yiddish, he was both a teacher and a tumular. So it was natural that I would turn to Stanley to collaborate with me on a television series that mined the tapes, not for history or news, but for the unconscious comedy that we both knew the tapes had in spades. We worked for two years together on the series that became Nixon's The One. Stanley, now a professor emeritus, would fly down to New Orleans or out to Southern California and we'd plow through the recordings, mining for the gold. Since he was still and always an historian, he'd occasionally point out a conversation showing Nixon's absolutely cynical approach to, say, the Supreme Court appointments and urge its inclusion in the show. I'd say, Stanley, we're doing comedy. He'd sigh, humoring me. Literally. Stanley was also constantly writing essays using insights gained from the tapes about how the Washington sausage actually gets made to analyze current events. These essays bristled with anger and amazement at the fact that Mark Twain was right. History may not repeat itself, but it does rhyme. We stayed in touch, Stanley and I, until the last couple of months. I should have known something was wrong. The news came on Tuesday. The funeral is today. Courage is a virtue we're taught to associate with generals and athletes and people who overcome physical shortcomings. Stanley Cutler, a history professor in the little college town of Madison, Wisconsin, had the balls to stand up to the former president of the United States and his financial supporters and to see the battle through to victory. It's safe to assume no leader of the most powerful country on earth, whichever country that will be at any given moment, will ever again keep such an unsparing, unedited, verbatim record of his or her days in office. Although, Hillary, please feel free to prove me wrong. What Stanley Cutler gave us is a gift that we'll keep on giving, not just to comedians and historians, but to anyone who's curious about how the powerful really act and talk and think. It was a privilege to be, in some measure, his friend. And now to the other Stanley we lost this week, a fellow by the name of Freeberg. Hello. Welcome to the Show.
2: November 1621. By now, the white man has arrived in great numbers, not only at Miami, but at Jamestown, at Plymouth, and at Salem, Massachusetts. The Puritans have established a thriving colony, enjoying all the social and cultural refinements of a modern society.
3: Who are you taking to the witch burning Saturday night?
4: Uh, Prudence Adams. Who are you taking to the Rotary Club luncheon?
2: I haven't
3: got a date yet, but I hear it's going to be quite
4: a spread. Well, Mayor Pennypacker, how's it look for re-election? Great, great, great. Never look better. Yeah, what about the Indian vote? What do you mean by that? Well, you're not too popular with the Indians. They could lose you the election. That's possible? Well,
3: they outnumber us. That's the trouble. You give them an inch and they take over. But, Mayor, they were here before we were. We moved in on them. So we did. Well, there's just something
4: about them. They wear funny shoes. They don't even have buckles on them. Be that as it may, election is Friday. You better make some gesture this week. Like what? Well, how about if you make a concession and pick an Indian as a running mate? You'd be sure to carry the Indian block What? Anything happen to me?
3: You'd have a mayor that wasn't a Puritan. he would probably take orders directly from Chief Powhatan. Yeah. Say, I got it. The big luncheon tomorrow. The one under the trees? What about it? We'll ask an Indian. That'll impress the rest of them. We could even announce you're going to put one in your cabinet. No need to go that far. Just have one to lunch. It'll be great press. Mayor Pennypacker comes out for equality. Justice. Votes.
5: What a slogan.
3: Take An Indian to lunch this week Show him we're a regular bunch this week Show him we're as liberal as can be Let him know he's almost as good as we Make a feathered friend feel fed this week Overlook the fact he's red this week Let him share our Quaker oats Cause he's useful when he votes. Take an Indian to lunch. Two, four, six, eight. Who do we tolerate? Indians, Indians. pop, ra, pop, Take an Indian to lunch this week. Let him sit right down and munch this week. Let's give in and all do the brotherhood bit. Ooh. Just make sure we don't make a habit of it. Rah, 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 rah. Take. An Indian to dine this week Show him we don't draw the line This week we know everyone can't be As American as we After all, we came over on the Mayflower Take an Indian Not a wooden Indian But a real-life
5: Indian
1: From the Edge of America, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this week's edition of the show. You may have read the obituaries for Stan Freeberg, so you know that he started out doing cartoon voice work. What kind of a career is that? And then he became a voice and puppeteer on a legendary children's show on Los Angeles TV. It's called Time for Beanie. And then, as if this is a natural thing to do, he started making records. What you just heard was from one of the last records he made, a collection of songs and sketches called Stan Freeberg Presents The United States of America, Volume 1. But through more than a decade as a capital Records artist, before that phrase became a kind of career death sentence, Stan made fun not only of American history, but of politics and television and the music business and music itself. He had hit records making fun of other hit records. In the 1950s, for example, a previously unknown Harry Belafonte started a craze for calypso music with a tune called the Banana Boat Song. You still hear the two note chant from it played as a crowd rouser during NBA games. Here's what Stan did with it.
5: Come and me, one go yeah! Wow, man. I'll the...
4: have to ask you not to shout like that. Well, It's uh, like right in my ear, man. Well, it goes with the song. Yeah, but know, don't the... holler in my ear, well, man. Well, it's authentic uh, calypso. Yeah, but like, shout. why I stand next to me, man? Well, the shout goes with the bongo drums. Well, not my bongo drums, man. I mean, move away. Well, like. I
3: don't see why. Uh, no, 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 no. Stand well,
4: over next to the guitar, man. He sent me over here. Yeah. Well, then sing soft, man. You know, I mean, like, wow. Okay. Day. Yeah. It's too loud, man. Day. That's better. He's a day, he's a day,
5: he's a day, he's a day, he's a day. He's a day. Oh. Daylight come and we won't go home. Yeah, man. I'll work all night and a drink of rum. Daylight come and we won't go home. Stock banana till the morning come. Daylight come and. One, go Lift six
4: foot, hold seven it, man. foot, eight hold foot, it, man. punch Daylight, Too loud, day. man, too loud Six foot, seven foot, eight, eight foot, punch it, man. Daylight, My home, ears, my ears, one, like my ears day. No, hold it, man day too shrill, man. It's too piercing. Oh, well, I don't see why. No, it's too piercing, man. Uh, it's too piercing. Well, I got to do the shout. No, man, it's too piercing. Like I don't dig loud noises. Well, you ruined the whole... Piercing.
3: ...record is what you do.
4: Yeah, well, tough. I'll take my bongos and go, man, because the whole thing is like bugging me anyhow.
3: Yeah, well, wait a minute. I won't no, shout. No, I'm cutting, no, man.
4: No. Like I didn't want to make this gig in the first place. No, no, wait
3: a minute. I'll be soft.
4: Yeah? Well, then back off from me, man. It's too piercing. Okay.
3: How's this? Yeah!
4: Too loud, man.
5: Okay. Deo!
4: Too loud, man. I can still hear you. Would you mind leaving the room?
5: Okay.
4: De- Deo! Crazy. Daylight come and we want home.
5: Daylight come and we won't go home. A beautiful bunch of ripe banana. Daylight come and we won't go home. Hide the deadly black tarantula.
3: Daylight oh
4: come man, don't and sing about spiders. I mean, ooh, well, like I don't dig spiders.
3: Well, that's that's how the song goes. He goes, hide the deadly black tarantula. Daylight come.
4: Is that it? Can I leave now? Oh, not yet. we got a big finish. Hey. Yeah, man. I locked myself out. Crazy. <laughs> I come through the window. Daylight come
5: and we won't go home.
1: One of Stan Freeberg's biggest hits was a piece of conceptual art called John and Marcia," making fun of daytime television, which was then crammed with hokey dramas sponsored by detergent companies, which is why they were called soap operas. Freeberg just had two characters address each other by name over and over again in intonations expressing every possible emotion. Hit record. Another wildly popular TV show of the era was the first big cop show of the television age, It was called Dragnet. Laconic cops, ultra dramatic music, ended up in Freeberg's hands sounding like this.
2: The legend you are about to hear is true. Only the needle should be changed to protect the record.
6: This is the countryside. My name is St. George. I'm a knight. Saturday, July 10th, 8.05 p.m. I was working out of the castle on the night watch when a call came in from the chief. A dragon had been devouring maidens. Homicide. My job. Slay him.
7: You call me, chief? Yeah, it's the dragon again, devouring maidens. The king's daughter may be next. Mm-hmm. You got a lead? Uh, nothing much to go on. Said you take that 45 automatic into the lab to have
6: him check on it? Yeah, you were right. I was right? Yeah. He was a gun. 8.22 p.m. I talked to one of the maidens who had almost been devoured. Could I talk to you, ma'am? Who are you? I'm St. George, ma'am. Homicide, ma'am. I want to ask you a few questions, ma'am. I understand you were almost devoured by the ma'am. Is that right, dragon?
8: It was terrible. He breathed fire on me. He burned me already.
6: How can I be sure of that, ma'am?
8: Believe me, I got it straight from the dragon's mouth. <laughs>
6: 11.45 p.m. I rode over the King's Highway. I saw a man. Stopped to talk to him. Pardon me, sir. Could I talk to you for just a minute, sir?
7: Sure, I don't mind.
6: What do you do for a living?
7: I'm a knave.
6: Didn't I pick you up on a 903 last year for stealing tarts?
7: Yeah. So what, do you want to make a federal case out of it?
6: No, sir. We heard there was a dragon operating in this neighborhood. We just want to know if you've seen him.
7: Sure, I've seen him.
6: Mm-hmm. Could you describe him for me?
7: What's to describe? you see one dragon, you've seen them all.
6: Would you try and remember, sir, just for the record, we just want to get the facts, sir.
7: Well, he was, you know, he had orange polka dots. Yes, sir. Purple feet, breathing fire and smoke. Mm-hmm. And one big bloodshot eye right in the middle of his forehead and, uh, like that.
6: Notice anything unusual about him?
7: No, he's just a run-the-mill dragon, you know.
6: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir, you can go now.
7: Hey, by the way, how are you
6: going to catch him? I thought you'd never ask. A dragon net. 3.05 p.m., I was riding back into the courtyard to make my report to the lab. Then it happened. It was a dragon.
5: Hey, I'm the fire-beating dragon.
7: You must be St. George, right? Yes, sir. I see you got one of them new 45 caliber swords.
6: That's about the size of it.
7: <laughs> you slay me.
6: That's what I wanted to talk to you about.
7: What do you mean?
6: I'm taking in a 502. You figure it out.
7: What's the charge?
6: Devouring maidens out of season.
7: Out of season? You never pinned that rap on me? Do you hear me, cop?
6: Yeah, I hear you. I got you in a 412 too.
5: A 412? What's a 412?!
6: Overacting. Let's go.
2: On September the 5th, the dragon was tried and convicted. His fire was put out and his maiden devouring license revoked. Maiden devouring out of season is punishable by a term of not less than 50 or more than 300 years. If you watch PBS,
1: Please give, But if you really watch PBS, you've long since learned to avoid reruns of The Lawrence Welk Show. In its very first iteration, The Welk Show was a local dance band program fronted by an accordion player with a Germanic accent originating from a ballroom on a pier in Santa Monica. The dance was always the polka, rebranded as champagne music to give it a touch of class. When it moved to ABC, Welk added some um, other soloists, including an additional accordionist, and it became a national hit. So much so that Welk used some of his earnings to build the first high-rise office building in Santa Monica. It's still there, the Lawrence-Welk building. Anyway, when it became a national hit, Freeburg went after it.
3: Once again, from the beautiful Aragon Ballroom on Lick Pier at the beautiful Santa Monica Beach, California. Um, We've been getting lots of cards and letters from you folks out there in the television land. And we surely do thank you for... uh, for... uh, for all the cards and the letters uh, from you folks out there in the television land. Um, Starting us off tonight is our trio, the Lemon Sisters and Girls... What are you going to sing?
9: We're going to sing Thank you for all those cards and letters You folks out there in television land Lant Lant
3: And after appropriate the number uh, One and two and
0: Thank you for all those cards and letters You folks in television Oh, well, nevertheless,
3: you guys and galsies. What is that noise there? Oh, it's the bubble machine. Turn off just a moment. I'm some. Hold it just a moment, please. Um, Turn off the bubble machine. Please turn off the bubble. Uh, Thank you, Lemon Sisters, for that lovely number. A wonderful, a wonderful, and now on with the show. Here's that man with a deep, deep voice, Larry Looper. Larry, what are you going to sing for us, Larry?
1: I'm going to sing. Thank you for all those cards and letters. You I'm folks sorry
3: to... that number has been taken.
2: Well, I'll sing the funny old hills then.
3: Good. Come on, hand
2: Hold it
3: just a moment. The bubbles don't come till the end of the program. Turn off the bubbles. Um, a Thank you, Larry. A Thank you, Larry Looper, for that wonderful number. Um, and now I would like to play a short instrumental medley based on the names of girls. Uh, one, and two, and... No. No, that's not it. Thank you so very much And now here's that young man about town From the brass section stony, Stone Dwell To sing Please Please Lend your little ears to my please What is the matter with that machine? Here, hit it with your horn Hit it here, stick your mouthpiece in it there. A waterfall, a waterfall. Uh, and now, on with the show, here's our champagne lady, Alice Lean. Alice is gonna sing Moonlight and the Shadows. Uh, one and two and... Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in twenty-five years, my puffing finger is caught in my cheek. Will you give me a hand there, Alice? Here pull my arm. No, that the other arm. Just yes, pull it. Pull it. That's it. Somebody stop the bubble machine. The whole ballroom is lathering up with bubbles. And now I can't see the cameras. Here, let me set the accordion down on the stage. And I'll try and fix that. Bear with us, folks, just a moment, please. Gee, the time is running out, and we haven't even played the polka. Wait a minute, boys. I didn't mean... Hold it, Alice. Don't polka on my accordion. Gee, Dad, it was a Wurlitzer. Hit the theme, boys. And so it's good night from all the champagne. Where's the cameras? There's so many bubbles I can't. And so, friends, we help. The whole ballroom is shoving off the sea.
7: Sure is a clear night, ain't it, Captain?
3: Yep, matey. These are the kind of nights when the sea plays tricks on you.
7: Yeah,
3: I recollect one night off Singapore... Tricks, at... I say. Like that mirage off the port bow now. What? See it there? Kind of bubbly looking in the moonlight.
7: Oh, yeah.
3: Yeah. Huh. <laughs>
7: if I didn't know better, I'd say it looks like the Aragon Ballroom.
5: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's a catchy chanty you're
7: humming there, Captain.
3: What is it? Oh, I don't know. It just keeps running through my head. <laughs> well, let's go below and catch a little shut eye. Okay. Help. Help. Wanna fall wanna fall? Turn off the bubble machine. Help.
1: You've probably heard Stan Freeberg's Green Christmas played on the holiday edition of this program. Despite his string of hit comedy records, this one, Green Christmas, got banned by radio almost as soon as it was released because it dared to attack the commercialization of Christmas. If you listen closely, you can hear what most people back then didn't realize. With the name Freeberg, Stan was widely assumed to be Jewish. Actually, he was the son of a Presbyterian minister. He was that rarity, an iconoclastic believer. Anyway, our paths crossed metaphorically around this time. I was a kid working on the Jack Benny radio program, which originated from the CBS studios on Sunset Boulevard, what used to be called Columbia Square. When Benny finally decided to stop doing the radio show and concentrate on television, Freeberg inherited the CBS radio time slot and the studio. He ended up doing the last big-time network radio comedy show with a studio audience and an orchestra. So, of course, he took aim at censorship.
3: But it's great to be with you tonight. We have a uh, special... Pardon me,
7: Mr. Freeberg, but my name is Tweedley. Well, we all have our problems. LAUGHTER I am the censor from the Citizens' Radio Committee, and uh, I feel...
3: You, uh, from the Citizens' Radio Committee, you say?
7: it's exactly what I said, yes. Mm-hmm. And what, I, you, what is
3: your purpose in being here? I
7: must okay all the material used on your program here, and I think the best method is to just sit back here and interrupt when I feel it's necessary. You mean you plan to stop me every time I do something that you think is wrong? Exactly. I'll just sound my little horn like this. And then you stop, and I'll tell you what's wrong.
3: Uh, Somehow I can tell this is going to be
7: one
6: of those days.
7: You just go right ahead, Mr. Freeberg. Don't mind me. Yeah, now I'd like to sing. You forgot to say thank you, Mr. Freeberg. (laughs) Politeness is an essential in radio programming. Your program goes into the home. We must be a good influence on...
3: Children. That's a darling little horn there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Mr. Tweedley. You're welcome, I'm sure. Now, I'd like to sing a Old River song in honor this week of National Mississippi Riverboat Paddle Wheel <laughs> Week. Mr. May, if you please. Very polite, Mr. Freper. Thank you. <laughs> old oh, Man River that old All right, Tweedley. Politeness I dig, but what in the world is wrong with old man river?
7: The word old has a connotation some of the more elderly people find distasteful. I would suggest you make the substitution, please. I suppose you insist. Precisely. You may
6: continue. Okay,
3: music.
7: You forgot to say. Say thank, thank you. you. Yes,
3: okay. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Tweedley. You're quite welcome, I am sure. Elderly man, River, that elderly man, River He must know something, but he don't say nothing All Right, hold it, fellas. Now what, Tweedley? The word something, you left off the G <laughs> But that's authentic. Something, something That's the way the people I'm uh, sorry. talk uh, down there what, The home
7: is a classroom, Mr. Freeberg I know you said that Keep in mind the tiny tots and furthermore, think back. You'll recall that you said, but he don't say nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, really, Mr. Freeberg, that's a double negative. Do you mean he does say something?
3: No, I just wasn't using my head, I guess. <laughs>
7: I mean, after all, it should be grammatically correct, keeping in mind... mind
3: the tiny tots, yes.
7: You probably mean he
3: doesn't say anything. I... I, I Suppose I mean that, yes, I guess (laughs) All right, uh, fine, you win All right, Billy, music Thank Thank you, thank you You're welcome, I'm sure Elderly man River That elderly man River He must know something But he doesn't say anything He just keeps rolling, rolling He just keeps rolling along don't doesn't plant taters potatoes he doesn't plant cotton cutting and them these those that plants them are soon forgotten
5: but River, rivers just keeps rolling along excellent
3: Uh, the tiny tots again, was it? Exactly. Sorry about that. Here we go.
5: <laughs> you and I, we sweat, perspire, <laughs> and strain. Bodies <laughs> awakened <always laughs> and wrecked with pain. Oh, well, we got by that one. Hold <laughs> that arms, lift and You get a little.
3: Take your finger off the button, Mr. Tweedley. We know when we're linked. Well, that concludes Elderly Man River. Oh, yes, and thank you for being with us, Mr. Tweedley. You're welcome, I'm sure.
1: The radio show went off the air. Radio network radio went off the air. And Freeberg set to work on uh, what most of his fans regard as his magnum opus, Stan Freeberg Presents the United States of America, Volume 1. It purported to be a history of the United States told as a musical comedy, a Broadway kind of musical comedy. Later on, he tried to get it produced as a Broadway show, encountering the usual frustrations of that process. But the record itself was um, something that college students in that era, at least the ones I knew, played over and over again and memorized. This is how it all started with Columbus.
2: 1492, Madrid. The Queen of Spain grants an audience to an obscure Italian sailor. There in her chambers, plans are made destined to change the course of history.
3: All right, we'll go over it once again. First, you hock the jewels, you give me the money, and I buy the ships. Then I discover the new world, you dump the
9: king, and I'll send for you. You say you'll send for me, darling, but will
3: you? Oh, look, we've been all through this before. I
9: know, but really, you're such a dreamer. You'll go out there and you'll sail right off the edge of the world. I will not. Wait. You're such a charming boy, darling. Why don't you forget all this? I'll set you up with a nice little fiat agency over in West Barcelona.
3: I don't want a fiat agency. Well, then
9: why don't you go to art school like your friend Da Vinci? I'll put you through.
3: Look, if Lenny wants to starve to death, that's up to Lenny. Me, I want to discover the new world. Carry out my
9: dream.
5: His Majesty,
9: King Ferdinand. The king.
3: Oh, sure. He'll be at the Inquisition all afternoon, huh? <laughs> the
9: time just slipped away. Quickly, take the jewels and go over the balcony. Too late. Uh, good afternoon, dear. How was the Inquisition? Amusing? Ah, Dollsville, same old. Hey, who's that? Oh, you you remember Christopher Columbus? Oh, you mean old round, round world? <laughs> you and your bohemian friends... He's not bohemian, he's Italian. An Italian,
3: bohemian, look at him in that hat. Is that a crazy sailor?
9: Crazy? I'll tell you how crazy. He's a man with a dream, a vision, a vision of a new world whose alabaster cities gleam undimmed by human tears with purple mountain majesties above the two-cents plain. Fruited. Fruited. He holds these dreams to be self-evident, this round, round world with Indians and justice for all. Let us then go forward together toward Miami Beach that the dream of this crazy Italian boy, indivisible, should not perish from the map. Bravo! Bravo! bravo.
3: Hey, was that moving? Was that a great bit? Listen, huh? I always said this girl had a lot... Wait a minute! I ask a simple question, I get a pageant. Why should Spain sponsor you? Why don't you go to Portugal? I did. They bought the prices right. Oh. Then I have your permission to sail? Have you had your shots? I have. Permission granted. Gracias. Arrivederci. Hasta la vista. Adios. Adios, Adios muchachos, muchachos, compañeros. when you get out of here... <clears throat> <clears throat> Strange, he left by the balcony.
9: Force of habit, I guess.
3: Yeah. Uh, how's that again? Nothing. Mm, Isabella, when are you going to quit fooling around with these nuts? <laughs>
2: Admiral Columbus, sir. The men are weary on the point of madness. Well, that's the
3: trouble with labor today. Don't they realize we're going to discover the new world? You've been saying that for the last 57 days. Well, nobody forced you to come along, Your Majesty. (laughs) My doctor told me I should go to Florida for the winter. Mm -hmm. I still can't see what you needed three ships for. I got a better deal on the fleet rate. I'll accept that, but we better sight land pretty soon. There's rumblings of mutiny. Really? Yeah, come over here and listen. All right. Rumble, rumble, rumble. Mutiny, 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 Yeah, I see what you mean. I'll jump up here in the rigging and speak to him. You mean on top of everything else, this ship is rigged? Now hear this. This is the Admiral speaking. I know the going has been rough, but if we can just hold out a little while... Rumble, hu- rumble, Stop that rumbling down there. Rumble. Who could blame him? The whole thing is madness. I don't like the way the crew is acting. Well, you're overplaying a little bit yourself there. I tell you, the world is flat and that's that it's round as your hat it's flat as your head it's round it's flat
5: it's a round round world it's a round round
3: world I contend it's round and it's gonna be found when all the results are in
5: it's a round world now and it's always been flat flat world it's a flat
3: flat world I insisted flat as a welcoming map and he's sailing off the end how about our crazy and brilliant friend Get hip Would I climb aboard this ship If I didn't have odds The earth was highly spherical. It's a miracle if it square, is Square, square, king You're a square, square, king If you don't believe You're gonna receive The shock of your royal life When the ship Pulls in at Miami Yo-ho-ho
2: When ho, a drama me, We are loyal Subjects of the king and queen But what kind of nut Would
5: you have to be to borrow a ship and put out to sea when you don't know what's on the other
3: side. Kinda oh, 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 hard to find, brother. It's who around, said getting there the was world. half the fun? Give it up it my throne and for one navy bean? Be no so it. it. wonder no, no, I'm turning. Three days to green to ride. i not set the lonely Crazy it's kind of scheme. It's a kind that made me dream. Would the climb aboard this ship? If I didn't have odds, the earth was highly spherical. It's a miracle
2: if it. Yo ho ho through the wind and rain. goes a tycoon's coming
3: up. At first, John Wayne. I I like correct with to having away to a way come. much of the ocean do you think when I can take, take? Command in the name of claim that land in the name of Isabella and Ferdinand. That's Ferdinand and Isabella. New
5: rulers of this round round up. It's a crazy kind of scheme, it's a cock-a-baby dream, but it's a round round, round, round.
2: world. Well, for all our sakes, I hope.
3: What was that? French horns. No, no, I mean before that. Oh. it was a lookout. He sighted land. Hooray! Quickly, hand me the glass. All right. Now, now, the other one. Oh. Oh.
2: To the new world. Likewise.
3: Give the kid top billing. Well, it was just a thought. No, no, no. go ahead. All right, all right. I claim this land in the name of Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand of Spain. Ho. Well, first I stick the flag in the sand and then I. Watch yourself, Admiral. Natives. They may be hostile. Well, we're all a little hostile now and then. Some of us are able to sublimate. Others can't adjust. You know how it is. I know, but you better try and talk to them. All right, all right. Hello there. Hello there. (laughs) Uh, We white men, other side of ocean. Uh, My name, Christopher Columbus. Oh, you over here on a Fulbright? Huh? Uh, uh, no, no. I'm over here an Isabella, as a matter of fact. Which reminds me, I want to take a few of you guys back with me in the boat to prove I discovered you. What do you mean, discover us? We discover you. You discovered us? Certainly. We discover you on beach here is all how you look at it. Yeah, I never thought of that. Well, at any rate, my men and I were wondering if you could spare a little food. What kind of num-nums you want? Well, what is that strange-looking plant you're holding there with little yellow kernels? You mean this? Yes. What is that? French horns. No, no, no. What you're holding in your hand. Oh, corn. That's what I thought it was. What else you got to eat around here? Oh, berries, herbs, natural fruits, and organically grown vegetables. Just as I suspected. What kind of a diet is that? That's why I've
5: come here. To fulfill my dream.
2: You have a dream?
5: Yes, I do. Would you like to talk about it? I certainly would.
3: My dream is to open the first Italian restaurant in your country. Give you some real food. Starches, spaghetti, cholesterol, all the better things. That's called progress, you see? Hmm. Now, right here would be a good location for the restaurant. Ocean view and all that. Is there room for a parking lot? You kidding? Whole country is parking lot. I suppose. Well, I'd like to put a little deposit down on the property here. Okay. I only have a few doubloons on me, so if you'll direct me to the nearest bank, I'll get a check cash. You out of luck today. Bank's closed. Oh? Why? Columbus Day. Oh, yeah. We going out on that joke? No, we do reprise of song that help. But not Not much. Not much, No. Yo, put a and a buckskin sleeve. Now the white man's here, I guess it's time to leave. I go to war and fight like a shirt. Perhaps with a a pick on some kind of (laughs) work in an Indian (laughs) extravaganza. Why? uh, Herb or bonanza. Please don't call us, we'll call you. Step aside, pal, meet the new big Jesus of this round, round world.
1: After not getting this show produced on Broadway, Stan found that what he wanted to do in television exceeded the boundaries of what ABC wanted to spend. So he entered the world of advertising, where the budgets were bountiful and he could carve out the freedom not just to be funny, Bob and Ray had been doing funny commercials for years, but to be funny at the expense of the advertiser. In the late 1960s, a writer friend of mine had moved up to Mendocino County He'd gotten an assignment from the New York Times Magazine to profile Stan Freeberg, but he preferred to spend his time getting, as we used to say, getting his head together. I'd been doing some freelance journalism, so he bequeathed me his assignment, and I spent a month with Freeberg, talking with him, watching him work at his offices on the Sunset Strip, trying to understand how such a talented and successful satirist could find true happiness selling pizza rolls and prunes. The Times Magazine rejected the uh, resulting piece because they said it assumed readers already knew who Stan Freeberg was. Years later, Stan finally did Volume 2 of the United States of America, and amazingly, he invited me to perform in a couple of the sketches since some members of his longtime cast of co-conspirators had in the meantime passed away. I got to watch the amazing studio symbiosis of Stan, the writer-performer, and his late wife Donna, the producer and editor. And then our paths crossed one more time. Last November, I was invited to MC a tribute to Stan at Hollywood's Egyptian Theater. Big names and small, lots of folks came out or sent videos to say how influenced they'd been by Freeberg's work and how delighted. He was 88 then and physically frail. Reportedly, he had just cracked a rib, and he attended the evening in a wheelchair. We all got to tell him how much he meant to us, and at the end, we got to give him a huge, long-standing ovation. There was something odd about that evening. You may have read, or you may read hints of what that's all about. All that needs to be said now is, Freeberg was a brilliantly funny guy, and he got away with a hell of a lot. Here's one more track from the United States of America produced at the time of the Red Scare. Thank goodness we don't have this kind of problem anymore.
2: The trouble continued to brew. It was a time for action and a time for words. On a hot July night in 1776, Benjamin Franklin was aroused from his work. By the call of destiny.
9: Hey, you in there, Ben?
3: Who's that, Sylvia?
9: It's the call of destiny. Come on, take a look through the curtains there. It's Tom Jefferson.
3: What, again? Well, it's no good. I'll have to let him in. I'm coming, I'm coming. Hi, Ben. Tom? You got a minute? Well, I tell you the truth, <laughs> we were just going out of town for the weekend.
8: <laughs> but it's only Wednesday.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned.
8: Well, what does that got to do with anything, Franklin?
3: I don't know. It's the first thing that came into my head. I was <laughs> just making conversation. An idle brain is the devil's playground, you know?
8: So you're pretty good at that, aren't yeah, you? Yeah, there's
3: some new wise sayings I just made up.
8: Wise sayings? I
3: call them wise sayings. Mm-hmm. So what can I do for you?
8: Well, I got this petition here I've been circulating around the neighborhood. I mm-hmm. kind of thought you'd like to sign it. It's called the Declaration of Independence.
3: Yeah, I heard about that. Sounds a little suspect, if you ask me. What do you mean, suspect? Well, you're advocating the overthrow of the British government by force and violence, aren't you? Well, yeah, yeah, but
8: we've had it with that royal jazz. Who's we? Well, all the guys. Who's all the guys? Oh, George, Jim Madison, Alex Hamilton, Johnny Adams, you know, all the guys.
3: (laughs) Ha! The lunatic fringe. Oh, they are not. Bunch of wild-eyed radicals. Professional liberals don't kid me. Either. Oh, you call George Washington a wild-eyed radical? Washington, I don't see his name on there. No, but he promised to sign it. Oh yeah, that's George for you. Talks up a storm with them wooden teeth. Can't shut him off. When it comes time to put the name on the old parchment or Rooney, try and find him.
8: Hey, what are you so surly about today?
3: Surly to bed and surly to rise. Oh, all, right, all right, all and... right,
8: let's knock off the one-line jokes and sign the petition. What do you say, huh, fellow? Well,
3: let me skim down it here. <laughs> Uh, when in the course of human events, uh, so-and-so, 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 so, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? That's pursuit of happiness. Well, all your S's look like F's here. Uh, it's stylish. Oh, I see. It's in. It's very in. Oh, well, if it's in. <clears throat> Therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, so-and-so, and so-and-so, solemnly publish and declare
0: <laughs>
3: that they are absolved from... All allegiance uh, to the British uh, Crown, uh, and so on. A uh, Little overboard, isn't it? Oh, well, uh, you write this.
8: Yeah, yeah, I knocked
3: it out. It's just a first uh-huh. draft, you know. <laughs> well, I tell you, why don't you leave it with me and I'll mail it in? Oh, huh? come on! Oh, I tell you, Tom. Uh, let me say this: uh, I'm with you in spirit. I'm sure you understand that. But you know, I got to play it conservative. I'm a businessman. <laughs> Yeah. I got the printing business going pretty good. Almanac made Book of the Month. And then I got the inventions, you know. Got pretty good distribution on the stoves now. And, of course, every Saturday evening I bring out the mag. The what? Magazine.
8: Oh. Oh, uh-huh. well, that reminds me, uh, that artist I sent by, the... Uh... Do you look at this stuff?
3: You mean the Rockwell
8: boy? Skinny kid with the pipe? Yeah, that's a kid. Yeah, I glanced
3: at it, and he's too far out for me.
8: Oh, yeah. Well, I know you got to play it safe. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to the signing of the petition,
3: uh, how about it, huh?
8: Well, and... It's
3: a harmless paper. Oh, sure, harmless. I know how these things happen. You go to a couple of harmless parties, sign a harmless petition, and forget all about it. Ten years later, you get hauled up before a committee. No, thank you I'm not going to spend the rest of my life Writing in Europe Oh, come on Come on what? Come on and put your name on the dotted line I got to be particular what I sign It's just a piece of paper Just a piece of paper, that's what you say Come on and put your signature on the list It looks to have a very subversive twist How
8: silly to assume it Won't you non to plume it Today, you're so skittish, who possibly could
3: care if you do? The Un-British Activities Committee, that's who. Let's have a little drinko and fill the quill. It sounds a little pinko to me, but still. Knock off the timid manner, if you want a banner. raise, banner
8: raise. You must take I must take a stand, a stand, a stand for this brave, for
5: this brave new land, new land for who wants, who wants to live, to live so concerned, so concerned, but if, if is, I don't dis he don't
3: disagree, agree, but a man can be too careful what he signs he says.
8: If I sign it, will you renew your subscription? Yeah, if you promise not to keep throwing it on the roof. Well, my... If it isn't on the roof, it's in the rose bushes or in the mud. My eyesight isn't what it used to be, you know.
3: Besides, it's hard to hit the porch from a horse. Now, come on. All we want to do is hold a few truths to be self-evident. You're sure it's not going to start a revolution or anything? Trust me. Okay, give it to me. You got a quill on you? Here you go. All right. <laughs> Look at this show-off Hancock, will you? pretty flamboyant signature for an insurance man. (laughs) Ah, you did a good thing, Ben. You won't be sorry.
8: (laughs) Now, if I can just get another three or four guys, we'll be all set.
3: Well, i tell you one thing. What's that? You better get them to sign it in the next couple of days before they all take off for the Fourth of July weekend.
1: I mentioned... Freeberg's collaborators, vocal collaborators, cast members, Jesse White, Peter Leeds, Byron Kane, Dawes Butler, June Foray, among the most notable of them. His musical collaborator on most of what you've heard today, the great Billy May, whom we paid tribute to when he passed away a few years ago. Stan had a, a great love of that era of music and an equally great hatred for what came after His contempt for rock and roll Reminds me a lot of How those of us of the rock and roll era Regard hip hop today Anyway He was able to turn that contempt into comedy With uh, Memorable results The phrase Cling 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 jazz Lingered long after this record A hit record making fun of a hit record The Great Pretender
5: Great pretender ooh, ooh. Pretend that I'm doing well. But just a moment, please! you on the piano! What are you doing?
3: Well, man, I just play little ooh baba doo like ooh baba, ooh baba. See, I think it's a mistake on my part. I got the same chord over and over like a clink, 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 clink. That's right!
5: That's right!
3: You want me to play the same thing all through the song? You catch on fast!
5: Wow. My need is such I pretend too much I'm lonely but no one can tell oh, oh.
3: Man, you scared me, don't do that
5: Oh, oh yes, I'm a great pretender Ooh. I drift in a world of my own Watch Ooh. it, that's better I play new piano man that's alright with me to reel is this feeling of make-believe to reel when I feel what my heart can't conceal oh yes I am the great pre-tender Is off man. I seem to be what I'm not you see I'm wearing my heart like a crown
3: Wow, oh, what a drag
5: pretending that you're still around just a moment just a moment please
3: I thought you were through man I don't play that lick no more, man. I come from a different school, like Shearing, era Garnestown. Take, man. Hold it! I'm, 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 That's not going to
5: sell I'm, the records!
6: Oh, man, don't bug me. I don't want to play that clink, clink, clink jazz.
5: You play that clink, clink, clink jazz? Well, you won't get paid tonight. Well, all right. To real is this feeling of make-believe. Ooh. Too real when I feel what my heart Turn out now that's a darling part. Appreciate it and gay like a clown. Ooh, ooh, I seem, hold it. I seem, slow down. I seem, retard.
3: Don't stop me now, man. I got to where I like stop it. Stop
5: it. Stop it. I say I'm getting out of here. He ruined the ending. One of the loveliest parts in the whole. The whole
0: piece. <laughs>
1: News of secrets, ladies and gentlemen, just before we close. Reasons not to get rid of your uh, portable radio, battery-powered radio, or your landline phone. A federal appeals court now asks the Obama administration to explain why the government should be allowed to keep secret its plan to shut down mobile phone service during, quote, critical emergencies. The Department of Homeland Security came up with the plan, Standard Operating Procedure 303, ...after cell phones were used to detonate explosives targeting a London public transportation system. The um, first time it was used in this country, apparently, or at one time it was used, mobile phone service was shut down in the San Francisco Bay Area subway system during a protest. The government withheld the information about it. Uh, a The Electronic Privacy Information Center sued and won... And now it's in front of an appeals court. They can shut down the cell phones. In an emergency. You know, and they don't declare emergencies every day. And California Governor Jerry Brown has ordered the first ever mandatory water restrictions in state history. But Patrick Sullivan with the Center for Biological Diversity says the governor failed to include oil and gas exploration in the water cutback order. Despite the massive amounts of water used in fracking, some two million gallons a day. Plus, they use a lot of sand. And uh, now we get reports that because of the construction boom in developing countries, there's a sand shortage. There are sand mafias in the world. We're running out of sand. Happy fracking, everybody. That's going to conclude this week's edition of Le Show. The program returns next week at the same time over these same stations over NPR worldwide throughout Europe. The USEN 440 cable system in found around the world to the facilities of the American Forces Network up and down the east coast of North America via the shortwave giant, WBCQ The Planet. On the Mighty 104 in Berlin, around the world via the Internet at two different locations, live and archived whenever you want it, harryshearer.com and kcsn.org. And available as a free podcast at SoundCloud, Sideshow Network, iTunes and TuneIn.com The email address for this program and a playlist of the music to here on and Cards I Talk t-shirts available at harryshearer.com. Thanks as always to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. Me? I'm the Harry Shearer on Twitter. Let's Let's join the conversation, shall we? The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans Flagship Station for the Change is Easy Radio Network.